word. The word, there's power in the word. There's so much life and power in the word. So put your hand on your heart. And just speak Jesus over your heart. That your heart would be so ready for the ground of the seed to come in and stir it. We do. We just speak Jesus over us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move upon your word in powerful ways this morning. That our eyes might see and our ears might hear what you're doing. Thank you for the anointing and the that breaks the chains. Thank you for the freedom that your word brings into our hearts. Thank you for the word ministering to us exactly where we need as we all sit in the same place. God, we ask that your anointing would just touch Pastor Mike and move in and through him in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I think that I was just kind of rehearsing some of Abraham's story in my mind and thinking about Abraham and how how incredible it was that God went to him, spoke to him. But even more incredible that God spoke to him is that Abraham listened and, and began to believe God in there was a connection between him and God. Way back when he was 75 years old in the land of Haran, God spoke to him. And it must have been something incredible to take a man that was uh, worshipped idols, didn't know God, didn't know anything about God, to have God come to him and speak to him in such a way that he believed, that Abraham believed God and trusted him. And then God sent him away to the land of Canaan, to Jerusalem, to to the land of Israel. And you know the whole story of Abraham. But but I want to look at Abraham from the standpoint of faith for a few minutes this morning. The faith of Abraham. I want to look in the book of Romans chapter 4, a very quick snapshot there of Abraham. And he teaches us something about faith in that. He teaches us something about believing God in that. So turn to chapter 4 of Romans. I have a marker. Took the marker out. Not good. Oh, there it is. I knew I had a marker in there. I had a blue one. Romans chapter 4. And I think I'm going to read maybe four or five verses first, and then we'll go back and kind of talk about all of it. Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Both chapters really about about Abraham. And the beginning part is just as good, but we're going to start with verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Uh, That's an astounding statement. God said, it's by faith, and the faith is by grace, and that grace is so that the set the promise might be sure to all the seed. Abraham, in, in the first part of the chapter, you find out that Abraham wasn't even an Israelite. He wasn't a Jew. He was, he was a heathen, and he believed God. And so it says, he's, he, became, he became the father of our faith. He's the faith of the Jewish people. 
But he's also the faith of everybody that believes in God. He's our father. And so we see in his example something incredible. But that, that first statement in the verse really isn't what we're talking about. But, but just that the promise of God might be sure to all of us. Wow. So, so verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, believed in hope. In hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Wow. Such a powerful passage of scripture. Abraham had hope born in him. It, it began to began to become real to him. Hope that that God would do what He said He would do. That God would provide the answer. It says in verse seventeen, eighteen. You see that hope was based on God's promise, on the word that God spoke to him. Verse twenty says he did not waver at the promise of God. I believe that hope sprang up in him because Abraham had a true understanding of what it, what the promise out of the mouth of God meant. Against all odds, it says, Abraham believed God because God promised he would have a child. That he, through that child, he would become the father of many nations. In the natural, you know it was impossible. Right? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure you're here. It was impossible. He and Sarah were too old to have children. It was beyond their ability. It was He was 75 years old when he first heard the promise. That's pretty old already. Can you imagine God telling you when you're 75 you're going to have a baby? We'd all laugh. But I began to think about what the concept of a promise meant to God. But what that promise meant to God, I thought about when we make promises, we try to keep our word. We do everything we can to keep our word, to stand by it. But if if I, if we're just ordinary humans, if we try to keep our word, what do you think about God? When he makes a promise, how does he feel about it? God says in Psalm 138.2, he magnifies his word above his name. When God gives his word about something, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty strong. It's pretty sure. Because his name is immeasurable. Right? And so his, his power of his word is beyond our imagination. When I tell you that there is in the word a promise for your healing, a promise of provision for you, a promise of strength for you, a promise of wisdom for you, a promise of forgiveness, of joy, of peace, of fill in the blank with the promise of God. How powerful is that to you? How significant is it to you? 
that God promised these things to you. Think about that. In, in our day, we've had a lot of promises made to us by people, but I'm sure if you're like me, one or two of those didn't come out. People didn't come through. Maybe I didn't come through for the promise of somebody else. But we can't let our experience with people or, or ourselves skew our, com- co- skew our concept of what the promise meant, what it actually is, and what it means to our Father. One of the scriptures you can meditate on that, that would help change your thinking is Numbers 23:19, And it says there, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? When I, when I think about that verse, that begins to change my opinion of God. We've got to keep it, get it down deep in our hearts. That's what God is. God is not a man. He's not like a man. He's God. I, I, it's amazing to me that we even can understand who he is only because of his grace. He has shared with us who he is, and that's why his word is so powerful. So powerful. He cannot lie. Whatever he says, he will do. Amen. We can put the full weight of our expectation upon his word. We have to put aside our experiences, our, uh, and we have to become convinced that what he has said, he will do. In Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James 1, 17 says, that in him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. God is the same, and a promise he made yesterday is the same as a promise he made a thousand years ago or two thousand. Maybe as you meditate on that verse, ask the Lord, say, Father, impress on me, show me a promise in your word to me. Show me what you want. Teach me your word. And then when you get that verse, put your name in it. If that's what God's promise to me. God's spoken to me, that's his promise. And, and then you can begin to believe them. You can begin to rely on his word. You can begin to trust him. You can stand on his word no matter what. In Psalm 119.89, it says, Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. His word is settled. It, his word is his promise. And what he promises is settled in heaven. In verse 20 of chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, too many numbers. 2 Corinthians one twenty, it says, For all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. All of his promises. Every one of them. You may be thinking, oh, I already know about his promises, but stop for a minute and really examine your heart. Really think about what you believe. I mean, begin to ask yourself these questions honestly. Do I, do I really believe God's promises are mine? Do I really believe that he is speaking those promises to me? 
Do I really believe his promises are true? If you ask yourself these questions and if you answer truthfully, you may be discovered, you may discover that there's some holes in there. But your interpretation of the word promise, it's foundational to putting faith in and having confidence in the Father's words. Spend some time on what his promises actually mean to you. Because you need to be firmly settled in your heart. Because when you give his promises the weight they deserve, it changes everything. It's not like when your neighbor says, I'll shovel your walk or I'll mow your grass or whatever. They might or they might not. But when God makes a promise, he keeps it. It's unchangeable. His words are settled in heaven, but they must become settled in my heart. Because his words are mine because I am his. So we saw in Romans 4, 4 verse 7 18, that Abraham's hope was based on God's promise. He took his promise seriously. Abraham took God's promise at face value. It was God who made it, so it's going to happen. That's all. That's settled. And, and really... A lack of faith isn't your problem. It's unbelief. Because those two fight against each other. Think about what um, that man said to Jesus in Mark 9, um, 23, 24. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes Sometimes I get caught thinking I don't have enough faith. I must not have enough faith to receive the answer that I need. But that's not true. I think I got too much unbelief and not enough faith. I mean, there's a maybe it's kind of like if you think about the scale, like a balance scale, like you got two sides of a scale that go up and down, and if you have lots of lots of faith on this side, it goes down further and you have lots of unbelief, it goes down further. So it's kind of like there's a war going on. And that's the devil's business. He makes us unbelief. In Hebrews, read that verse on Wednesday night, that we could have a, an evil heart of unbelief in us. Don't let unbelief. One phrase at the end of chapter 12, verse 23, verse 3 in Romans. God has given you the measure of faith. Given you the measure of faith. Maybe some commentators might say, well, the word the or the word a or whatever doesn't matter. But it does. It's the measure of faith. Because God is not a respecter of persons. He wouldn't give you, like if you said, okay, faith is is." Like quantities of faith. It will have from one to ten. I'm going to give you one. And I'll give you three. Give you three and I'll give you five and six. And maybe somebody in here might get nine or ten. Maybe. That's not the way God does it. 
Is it? Well, even if it was the way God did it, even if that's the way God measured out his faith, his measure would be on the basis of our need. So if you need nine, he'd give you nine. If you only need two, he'd only give you two. What you need, what you face, is what he'd give you faith for. Because God isn't in the business of hiding from us. He's not in the business of, of making promises that have to be received by faith and then withholding faith from us. That's not how God works. He's all about the win. Right? He's all about you winning, being victorious in your life. Hmm. He doesn't set you up to lose. He sets you up to win. And so, if you need more faith, ask him. I think about that verse in Galatians 2.20, where Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm, not, I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm happy with that kind of faith. The measure of faith is given to every born-again believer as part of born-again experience, as part of what God's giving you, equipping you to live and to be victorious in life. You have to make a decision. Am I going to embrace the faith God's given me? Or am I going to stick with unbelief? And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy to question. But it's time to draw a line in the sand. Yeah, I'm going to stand on the word of God no matter what. No matter what happens. Abraham did that. Abraham did that. Look at his faith. Not only was there the promise, but he was certain of it, regardless of how much his body or Sarah's body looked, regardless of how they looked. They were dead as far as the physical body was concerned. They were incapable of having children. But Abraham, look at verse 19 in, in Romans 4, and not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. That's 25 years later. He's been resting on that promise for 25 years. Wow. Nor Sarah's body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. It says he was 100 years old, but he was standing on the promise that God gave him. He wasn't weak in faith. It says he was strong in faith. And I believe, but I believe one of the greatest keys to his faith and the victory in his faith and the greatest obstacle that we find in our faith is the one little phrase in that verse. And it's the word considered not. Abraham's strong faith was determined by what he focused on. And equally, by what he did not focus on. He took no thought of any fact that presented itself against the promise of God. 
God said it, and that settled it for him. Period. That's the way it is. He would have a child. didn't matter how long it would take. It was going to happen. In Romans 4.20, it says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He didn't allow anything that would cause him to not believe God's promise to come in. He kept his mind stayed on the promise of God in the forefront of his being. All of our sound guys left for ringing. He didn't look at his age. He didn't look at Sarah's age. He didn't look at where their bodies were. If anyone was telling him, you're crazy to believe this, he didn't listen. He was focused on the promise. He put his faith in God. Not in his aging body, not in Sarah's body. He He did not stagger, it says. He didn't waver. He stood on the word. That's the promise that God gave me, and I'm standing. I'm believing him. Are you reflecting the promise God's given you that way? Are you reflecting it with praise? That verse says in verse 20, he staggered out the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham was thankful to God already. Hmm. What what are you what are you not seeing? When you're not seeing a single change take place, you're thinking, well, the praise comes after the answer, right? No. Determined to praise him. Results or no results. After all, nothing you nothing says you're Receiving the answer like thanking God for it. F.F. Bosworth, a writer in the beginning of the century, said this when he described the imprisonment of Paul and Silas. He said, Paul and Silas sang praises at midnight with their backs bleeding and their feet in stocks, and God sang bass with an earthquake and set them free. Amen. Find a way to praise the Lord in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the problem. Find a way to praise God in the middle of the, the circumstance, and God will answer with an earthquake and shake the, shake the ground, and the chains will come off. Abraham could praise God because he had the God kind of faith. He had faith in him who called those things which are not as though they were. He couldn't see it in the natural, but he could see it in the supernatural. And I believe, but I believe if Abraham had been focused on his physical body or Sarah's lot for that matter, unbelief would have stopped the promise from happening. If unbelieving could stop Abraham from receiving, it certainly could stop us from receiving as well. Right after that, right the, the sentence right before that one in Mark when Jesus said, when the man said, help, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, the very sentence just before that, 
Jesus said, if you believe, anything is possible to him who believes. Anything is possible. God works. And every time I give attention to the problems I'm facing, instead of giving attention to God, his word, the value of his word, the weight of his word in my life goes down. And like that justice skill, my unbelief goes up. But when I look with faith at his promise, and I stand on his promise, unwavering, like Abraham did, then it creates more weight on that faith side of the scale. And that goes down. But if I focus on circumstances, unbelief goes down. James chapter 1 says, if you waver, you're like a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. Don't think that man will receive anything from the Lord. And a lot of times, that's where I'm at. Lord, help me stand firm on your promise. In verse 21 in Romans, the last verse, it says, Abraham was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. That's so powerful. It says Abraham was fully persuaded. That word fully in the Greek means to carry through to the end. Abraham was fixed on the fact that God was going to carry that through to the end. He would fulfill his promise. He didn't, have an, he didn't have a single doubt that God was going to carry out the promise that he'd given to him. He didn't look at his flesh. He didn't look at Sarah's. He didn't look at anything or anybody. What they said, he was focused on God's promise. He was fully persuaded that God would do what he said he would do. Maybe you need a promise like Abraham had. Maybe you need to say, Lord, Show me a promise in your word that I can stand on for the situation I'm facing. And when that scripture comes, when God reveals his word to you, then then pray his word, meditate on it, fill your mind with his scriptures. Dwell there, study it. Say, this is my scripture, it's mine, I'm owning it, I'm taking it. Mine. You need to let that Promise of God be rehearsed in your spirit over and over. Purposely starve your spirit, your flesh of the problem and dwell on his promise. Dwell on his promise. Fix your attention solely on his promise. When that situation begins to raise its ugly head, say, I know you're there, but by his word, I have victory. By his word, I'm going to see victory this very moment. Countering those physical problems with the word causes you to develop the same confidence that Abraham had in the promise God made to him. And that confidence causes faith to be activated inside of you and it rises up in you. Incorporate his promise into your daily life. I, I, I just that that passage about Abraham just stirs me so much because of Abraham's 
steadfast commitment to God's word. He had so little revelation of God, really. But that revelation must have been so powerful. But we have so much. Can trust and believe God because he is faithful. I, I, there's a, a declaration I want to read to close. It says, Father, even when there is no reason for good expectations in the natural, I will keep believing you because you have given me your word. And wow. I'm strong in faith, and I will not consider the problems, circumstances, or symptoms in my body. I will not consider the doctor's words, nor the balance in my checkbook, nor lab reports, or any of the enemy's propaganda. I will not stagger over your promise through any unbelief, but I will stay strong and praise your holy name even before I see the answer, because I'm fully persuaded that you have promised what you have promised you will perform through the death of your son. And it is being brought to completion right now. When my circumstances are telling me something different than what the word tells me, I don't care because I know your word is true. That's revelation. My situation has not changed, but my mind has. And that's where real victory begins. That's the end. Father, we just stand in awe of your word and what you do, what you say, how faithful and true it is. Just like when you spoke to Abraham that he was going to have a son, you brought it to pass. Against every impossibility, your word is true. And the same is true of us. The Bible says you don't change. You're the same yesterday and today and forever. And so your words today are just as true and just as faithful as the ones you spoke to Abraham. And so the words you speak to me, I trust it. I believe it. I stand on it. Lord, we will stand on your word until the end. And then some more. We're not going to quit. We rejoice in you. We praise you. We bless you. Because you're the faithful God who keeps covenant with us. You're the faithful God. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Put your hand in your heart this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Go in his grace today. Stand on his word.